Chara Supply Chain. Highlighting and showcasing solutions for the most complex challenges facing the industry in 21st century by a team of subject matter experts and mentors. Broadcasting every week all year round, we will present the most up-to-date series of podcasts and webinars. Hello and welcome to another episode of Bichara uh, Spice. And this is Norhadi House. Uh, we have a very special guest today. He is uh, Jan Hobman, a trade a logistic expert from UNCTID. Thank you for being here, Jan. It's great to have you on the show. Well, a wonderful good morning from Geneva in mm. Switzerland. Yeah. Okay, so in today's episode, uh, we are going to talk about the complexities of uh, global trade logistics and how to tackle the challenge. But before we get started, Jan, could you please brief a bit about yourself, uh, your professional background, and how did you end up with the logistics and shipping industry? Mm-hmm. Yeah, here at, at UNCTAD, uh, the United Nations Conference on Trade and Development, we like to say we think debate and deliver. We think, we do research like statistics, our review of maritime transport, policy briefs, country profiles. Then we debate, we are United Nations Forum, we provide a space for the ambassadors in Geneva to to discuss, to agree, to come to consensus on things like that are being negotiated at the World Trade Organization or at the International Maritime Organization. Then we also deliver. So we do work on the ground, capacity building, training. I myself have, uh, I've counted, I've traveled to 130 countries, uh, most of it for work, and it's really a great privilege to work for the most international of businesses, <laughs> uh, yeah. which is, is shipping and trade, and uh, do this yeah, for the United Nations and, and combining this thinking, the research with the, the, the diplomacy, the policymakers, and then also do things on the ground like like walking on foot crossing a border between Burundi and Congo or climbing up a gantry crane in Nicaragua. So that's, that's about uh, Anktad. You asked about myself. I'm from a little village in northern Germany. My parents had a little shipping company, one tween decker, uh, which we had flagged in Antigua and Barbuda. We had, uh, yeah, went from Turkey to Canada, very international Polish seafarers. Um, very international business. And then I, I studied in Germany, Spain, UK, did a PhD, and now I'm already 27 years in the UN system. It's really, as I said, a great combination of working in this very international business for the United Nations, even if in landlocked Switzerland. But yeah. as you know, one of the biggest shipping companies, MSC, is also based in landlocked Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Interesting story. So, uh, Jan, uh, what are your views on the global trade logistic? Uh, what are the biggest challenges and then the uh, opportunities? Yeah, a good way to, to put it. Uh, it's challenge, but also all three of them opportunity. When I say three, I, I think there are three key issues that logistics providers, users have to think of these days. First one is what's happening in the markets and in, in we should discuss also, I guess, the high freight rates, uh, the ever-given incidents, the whole issue of competition, bigger ships, alliances, antitrust immunity. That's really, yeah, especially in container shipping, but, but all shipping, it's a key 
challenge. Then the second one is digitalization. Mm. I like to say technological progress will never be as slow as today. Is it slow? No, it is not slow. It's fast, but it's going to be even faster. So, so getting ready for this transformation. And the third one, the, the biggest one, is decarbonization. That's the biggest shift in, in shipping. It's like going from sailing to steam, from steam to oil. And, and what people may not always be aware of, but actually 40% of the volume of cargo is energy. Of the mm. tonnage that is being transported by ships, 40% is oil, coal, and gas. So all this transition getting to zero is a huge challenge. So each one of them one could discuss for, for hours and so on. But I think these are the three key challenges, trends in logistics to deal with. Yeah. And then what advice can you offer to the business leader on how to tackle uh, this uh, challenge? Yeah. Okay. Now we are here in the ivory tower and the theoretical uh, thinking. We, we are not ourselves doing logistics, but we have the privilege to really have access to practically all data sets, all countries, and above all, we are neutral. We are not selling anything. We don't have any interest. And as you said, it is an opportunity also that is there in the technology. Um, easier said than done, but, but get ready. See how fast this transformation is going. When I see both in the public sector and the private sector, when I see how, for example, the WTO trade station agreement was negotiated. So governments got together to negotiate what are the rules for trade procedures in future. And when they started this 15 years ago, there were people who said, oh, no, 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 we cannot commit, we cannot promise that we will have websites for our customs administration. Because mm -hmm. I'm a poor, small country. It's too expensive to have a website. I mean, think of it nowadays. So change is so fast. At that time, blockchain, AI, Internet of Things, uh, the whole drone business. So yeah, easier said than, than done. But um, I think it's good to be a first mover to be, um, yeah, the, the, the earlier you are there, you more likely you are ahead of the others. Now that's in terms of advice, technology. And if I take it more to the personal level, actually, um, also when, when I was speaking with my sons, they were thinking what to study and so on. And I had read that people working in logistics are actually among the most happy people. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and that's maybe because it's a practical thing. It's international. You see a result of what you do not too far away. It's not too abstract. And uh, among the least happy I read are architects because they want to be creative, but then they just have to deal with some cement fac uh, formulas and, and restrictions. <laughs> so I don't know. Keep going. It's uh, advice. Logistics is great. Makes you happy, apparently. Um, but get ready for the technologies. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, specifically to the marine freight, uh, Jan, where it happened at the highest ever level. In your opinion, how could this happen? Yeah, it's it's really amazing. I was just uh, yesterday updating the the latest charts and and following seven major routes and. And five of them are currently at historical heights, and the other two also going upward close to the recent records. So, so you're right, it's really historical height. And it has to do, of course, with, with 
COVID directly, mm -hmm. indirectly. Um, not so much that there's suddenly more demand because of COVID, but yes, in container shipping, there's far more demand than we expected. And I, when I say we also, we in Anchor, when we made our forecasts, our projections initially, we thought there would be a huge downturn in, in flows and demand. But actually, the opposite happened. What do you and I do if we are not allowed to go to the restaurant and movies and hairdressers and travel anymore? We buy stuff. And yeah. then you combine this with stimulus packages, which lead to additional demand. And there you have it, a huge uh, demand, especially in the US and Europe. And on the other side, on the supply side, there are have been shortages in the production, but this is no longer there. But there's still a shortage of empty boxes. Uh, and, and due to the COVID situation in the ports, in the, the intermodal system, the whole slowdown, more controls, um, people holding on, and also containers are not where they should be. They, they, were, they were left in different places. Then you have now congestions in, in Los Angeles. So there are containers on ships not being used. So roughly, I, I was told uh, recently in a meeting with, with Hapag Lloyd, CEO and colleagues, you need 20% the, the typical container spends 20% more time in the system today compared to a year and a half ago. 20% more basically means you need 20% more containers and they are not there. So a, a small shortage of supply leads to a tremendous surge in freight rate. Uh, and that's not just in container shipping. We had the same uh, with the BDI and dry bulk. We had it for gas. We had it for oil. Of a sudden, the oil tankers were used as storage. And a little, not or not so little, but if there's a certain shortage of supply, freight rates go through the, the roof. What I found particularly fascinating was when there was another extra delay and shortage, thanks to this ever given incident in Suez, um, then freight rates that had started to go down again, moved up again tremendously. And not only on the routes that go through Suez, like, like uh, Asia, Europe, or Asia, East Coast, North America. But the ones that went up most <laughs> were the ones um, uh, Asia to South America and Asia to West Africa. They do not go through the US. But if you don't have enough containers, because they are waiting in the Mediterranean, they're waiting in the Pacific in front of Los Angeles, then um, you, you have a shortage of containers in Shanghai, and you decide, where should I send this container now? Where should I deploy it? And you have the choice, either put it on a ship that goes to Los Angeles or you put it on a ship that goes to Santos in South America. Yeah. Well, actually, Santos is even further away. It's a thinner route. There's even less return cargo. Um, in the end, you say no. And then the, the, the freight rates to, as I said, to West Africa and South America went up even more. There has been some question, discussion, criticism of the carriers who are making tremendous profits. Uh, let's not cheat ourselves. Um, but in my view, the fact that the freight rates went up so much now is not because of a market concentration. Because as I said, we had similar situations where all of a sudden we had these tremendous peaks in other very competitive markets in the dry bulk, in the oil, gas, where you don't have alliances or anything. So, so yes, <clears throat> they are making profits, but I don't think the high freight rates are due to a, a 
intentional withholding capacity or anything. There's no idle capacity right now. There's capacity waiting and stuck in the system, but there's no idle capacity artificially withheld by the carriers. Yeah, <clears throat> interesting. Okay, uh, this is my last question, Jan. If you were in a position as a shipper, uh, as a manufacturer or producer, what would be your top priorities in dealing with the complex cities of the global trade logistics? Yeah, it depends a bit how far into the future we, we are looking. I am fascinated by this uh, decarbonization. This, decarbonization. This decarbonization, yeah, yeah. getting mm -hmm. the CO2 out of the system. It is really an opportunity. Uh, if you're a first mover there too, and if you're a good company, um, I remember I, I once did a little job for uh, an oil company at a time when the, the government in Germany was imposing strict regulations on the fuel stations, on the gas stations for cars to avoid that any oil would go into the groundwater. And you would think that the oil majors the Shell, the Exxon, the Arals of this world, they would fight against it because it increases their costs. But no, they were actually in favor. Why? Because this actually killed their small independent competition who could not afford this investment. Yeah. yeah. So if I were to say now, if, if you are a good, strong company, actually it's in your interest to support um, an ambitious goal towards decarbonization and then you should be a first mover you should have the technology and of course you also want a level playing field you want a multilateral system so i i'm not sure if i directly answered your question i was more thinking again from my perspective which is the the global regulation the policy makers but i think this is the way we are going so if you are in the business on whatever side i think you also as to do a lobbying to work with the getting to zero coalition which is private sector Global Maritime Forum, World Economic Forum. So go work towards this, not to be a laggard, not to not to miss out on the opportunities that come with decarbonization. Mm -hmm. Nice. Okay, Jan. So uh, thank you for the insight. I really enjoyed the conversation today, and I look forward to speaking with you at another time. At Bichara Supply Chain, we are committed to driving global perspective to embrace technological adaptation in improving process efficiencies. Don't forget to subscribe, like and share Bichara Supply Chain and stay tuned for the latest updates. To learn more, visit our website www.bicharasupplychain.com. Thank you for listening to us. We look forward to seeing you at our next episode.